Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. You're putting in 11-hour days working on clapped-out rust buckets at a discount, never get to go to training, and if you do, you're forced to pay for it yourself, and you haven't seen a raise in, well, ever. And you're listening to this. Despite all that, what does it take to keep a positive attitude towards the industry? Is it even possible? To answer that, Lucas and I sat down with Brian Pollock, a technician with Wilco Auto Care in Sanborn, New York, as well as a regular contributor to ScannerDanner.com. Before we get started with the conversation, please take a moment to head on over to YouTube, search ASOG Podcast, and hit that subscribe button. And make sure you're set to automatically download the latest episode on your podcast listening app. And do me a favor. After listening to this episode, share it with a technician you know that refuses to go to training. If you know a shop owner that never sends their staff to training, share it with them as well. And now, here we go. So, um, David, how was your day, buddy? It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What happened now? I will, I'm happy to give away my father-in-law. You want to come take him? I no, will be. I really don't. So I, I told my wife, I, I just can't do Wednesdays like in the middle of the day. I've got a one-on-one with, with Juan, and he goes to lunch. He has to go pick up his kids and stuff like that, so he leaves the shop. So yeah. I man the phones for an hour, right? Just that one hour, the entire week is open. I'm flexible just that one hour. Right. And that's when the sca- when the appointment was. So, Oh, what the fuck? So I told Juan, I'm like, Hey, can you come in early for your one-on-one? And he, you know, he showed up early and we were good. And we did our one-on-one. And then I went to, um, I went to go pick him up. I drop him off at the wrong facility. I'm almost back to the shop. So I'm 10 minutes is probably seven, eight miles away, interstate driving. 
before they call me and they're like, Hey, uh, Mr. Mel's at the wrong place. Like, oh boy. <laughs> he's supposed prick. to be, uh, he's supposed to be at a different facility closer to the shop. It, it would have been super convenient. had I paid attention to the email or to the text message and seen that he was right up the street from the shop. And I'm like, Oh, great. So I booked it back around, drove all the way down there, picked him up, drove back up to where he was supposed to go. He has no idea where he's at. Never been there from what he's, he's telling me, but he doesn't remember, like, unless he's been <laughs> there multiple times, he has no idea. And so he's like, I, I have no idea where I am. I'm like, so you haven't been to this one? He's like, I don't think so. I'm like, okay. So I have to walk him in. I got to sit him down and make sure he gets checked in. Okay. Hey, how long are you going to be here? The whole spiel. Meanwhile, people are calling and he has this uh, nasal drain thing. Where like fluid builds up in his nasal cavities and either comes out or back in. Either way, he makes like horrible old man noises. <laughs> and they're they're disgusting, but it's whatever. That's what he does. Okay. Of course, I'm still taking phone calls at this point. So I pull up to to grab him and I open the door and he he gets in the car. I'm in the middle of a conversation with a customer. Oh, we're gosh. talking about what the customer, yeah, hey, you're going to need this maintenance and uh, and this, that, and the other. And you got and, Chewbacca in the background. And meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile oh, George is just hacking and snorting and like every disgusting booger <laughs> sound you can possibly make. Oh, and I, man. And I mute the, the microphone. I look at George. I'm like, George, really? And he's like, I can't help it. I'm like, yeah. yes, you can. Yes, you can. Pull over. Like, like, yeah, pull over and minutes. get out of the vehicle to talk, yeah. right? Yeah, it's three minutes. Like, just cool it. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, dude, that's awesome. I, I can hear Jeff Compton now giving his commentary on that. Oh, and yeah. It, it was pretty awesome. I talked to him this morning. And he's like, or maybe it was yesterday morning. He's like, I don't, I don't know how you deal with fucking David. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, that motherfucker just drives every goddamn conversation square in the fucking ditch. Like, <laughs> he's got a valid point. It's like, that's David's role. It's what he's he does. A, I love him. He's, he, uh, I love his abrasiveness. Oh dude. It is fucking it, awesome. It reminds me of my childhood. I was, I was, uh. My, my, my parents weren't abusive or anything like that, but it was, right. you know, I was pretty darn strict around here. You know, like right. when I was about eight years old, I came in and told my dad, I couldn't get the weed eater started, you know, and we had, we had about three and a half acres and, uh, right. he opens the kitchen drawer and like threw a pair of scissors at me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like he's like, like my ass got out in the shed and got that thing started. You know, I I mean, you're going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like if you can dodge three and a half acres with like two hundred trees, and I I didn't want to weed eat. I wanted to go ride bikes with my friends. He was like, "You're gonna figure this out, kid." Yeah, if you what what was it they said in uh, dodgeball? If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he like threw them at me, like you know, and they, it was you know, I'm not that old, but they weren't safety scissors, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? They were my, like you know, stab you so and die like, scissors. We own a my family owns a tourist attraction, and they sold them. Um, they sold slingshots, right? And they were these like wooden slingshots with these thick, like what they tie around your arm when they're they're taking blood, right? Oh yeah, right. And, and surgical um, tubing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they they had that around there, and and man, I figured out that dude, you could launch a penny from these things, right? And oh it, boy, 
like you could leave a mark, right? Oh yeah. And I got my dad like three or four times right on the butt cheek, man. I bam, you know, you could hear it smack. And he finally, man, he had had enough of me. And I turned around and he had one in his hand and he had that penny, dude. He launched that thing and it hit me square between the eyes and like oh, an imprint right on my face. And my mom's like, "What the hell did you do, dude?" I had like this red welt of Lincoln on my face. Yeah, for right. Two or three days. Yeah. What'd you do? Yeah. yeah. He effed around and he found out. Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems and now they've just launched a new referral program all you have to do is open your parts tech account go to my shop and click on the rewards tab there you'll find your referral url which you can share via email text message or on your social media if your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, Shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Well, that's what happened. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, let me tell you all about my past couple of days. So we've been, um, the new shop, um, I found out that A, the doors are delayed and all they're waiting on is the springs. Like the doors are done, they're ready, the tracks are all together, everything's oh good. But they're waiting on the springs. You got and so like two delays here. Yeah, exactly. And so like I ordered them. He said, "Look, it's going to take this long." So I, I gave it an extra month and said, "Let's order them now." And and hopefully the building will be done by then. We were a month late on the building, and he's like, "Look, dude, they keep pushing your your doors back." And he's like, "They're just waiting on the springs." <clears throat> and I said, "Well, you know, couldn't we?" go ahead and get the doors. And he said, well, if you do that, they're going to cancel the order on the springs and they'll give you a credit for the springs, but springs have gone up. I'm like, okay, can we get springs somewhere else? And he's like, yeah, we can. He's like, they're five weeks out, but he's like, it's going to be about 5,700 more dollars after their credit because springs have gone up in price. Oh my gosh. You gotta be kidding me. And so like for the past week, we've been polishing the floor. Right. And it was, it started with the very first day we're polishing it the the equipment we rented didn't run right like it's it's got a planetary grinder head it's got three mm-hmm. heads on it they spin independently and then the whole main piece spins right so you like get a constant grind it never leaves streaks yeah yeah and so like the little pieces would spin but the whole planetary wouldn't spin right and then we got the second one. It ran for like 10 minutes and it did the same thing it blew up too exactly and so now we're like grinding the floor and and we've talked about how hard because when you when you polish a floor you have to know if you're going to really truly grind it you have to know how hard the floor is right 
Yeah, right. And so like you you scratch test it and you're like, okay, it's this. Dude, this floor is so effing hard. And like I, I have had to walk. I walked 10,000 steps today and my phone literally says that my pace was too slow to record what the pace was. Because, I mean, it's like taking a quarter step a minute. It took me five hours to make it 30 feet through the shop. Oh, my gosh. Dude. <laughs> Like ready to lose my mind. The yeah, the stuff, the stuff on back order, and the stuff you can't get has just been nuts. Yeah, um, dude. We actually, we actually, uh, we've been working on a like a like a little satellite location, right? And um, you know, we have we have like two fully functioning separate repair shops, yeah. and then um, kind of like across the street and three doors down from our our main shop, we uh this other shop they wanted a business so we uh we bought the building right and like putting the lifts up has been insane like it's like you can have a lift maybe you know so we've actually ordered too many just in case i mean we have like a lot of buildings that we could put more lifts in so right we ordered too many and we'll keep them on the shelf in case we do that or i mean guys are guys are selling ones they have for more than you know what they are new because if you're not ready to go. Some of these things are like six months, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, and so like we ordered, we ordered, uh, six new lifts when we started the shop. Uh, rotary has lost a 53 foot trailer full of lifts somewhere, right? They what? have no clue where that's at. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and, you know, we ordered them, dude, they've been ordered over a year. And then, so they were supposed to ship on when we were ready. Hunter is really good. Like Hunter is, Hey, you want your lift here on this day? Okay. Tell us you want it there on that day. It'll be there. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Everything's built here. All the parts are here. We don't BS, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, so that, that wasn't a big deal. And and we're not like, we're not pressed for the lifts yet. It's just the fact, like if we were dude, it would be a big deal. And, and, you know, we've got a, um, we've got a 15 Durango in the shop and Mm -hmm. there's a technical service bulletin, but it needed an encoder motor, and needed a drivetrain control module. Mm-hmm. And Chrysler's like, good luck. Good I mean, luck. We, we don't know. For and, Ford Super Duty uh, cabin chassis EGR valves, like the first one in months is getting, like had a release date of April 11th. Well, guess what? It ain't at my shop yet. Yeah. And I got a company. It's springtime. They're ready to rock and roll, right? Exactly. And, and so I was talking to the garage door guy and I said, look, I said, I've got a question and and we're both business owners. He's a really legit, really cool guy. And we're talking about it. And he said, uh, he said, you know, this frustrates me. He said, I'm really sorry about your doors. I'm doing everything I can. I said, dude, it's not you. I know that. I said, I'm just starting to wonder if like all these corporations are not figuring out we can make way more profit if we hold back on things and we don't staff like we were, you know, like a fast food restaurant. Oh, we, we can't, man, we can't have that level of staffing anymore. We need less staff. We need, you know, we can make just as much money through the drive-thru. So it doesn't matter to them, you know, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. It's been, it's been nuts, you know, just like, uh, just, you know, the pickup truck market. I don't know how it is there, but it's, it is ludicrous here. Dude, it's crazy. Hey, there was a a 15 Tahoe here. Mm -hmm. $97,000. Yeah. Oh, 15. Holy moly. I got, I was, uh. I got in at the right time. I bought a I bought a lightly used F three fifty Lariat with a diesel in it last year, last May. Right. It was about like two months old and had about four hundred ish miles on it. And I paid like five grand under sticker, which, you know, 
at the time I was like, well, COVID, you know, what are you going to do? Well, now the thing's worth like 10 grand over sticker, right? Right. Okay. Like I didn't do too bad on this. And I seen a dealer, a local dealer has a 22, uh, 350 platinum with a long bed, which I really wanted a long bed, but I was looking for used stuff, so I got what I got, right? Right. And um I was like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna call over there and see about that, you know, long bed. You know, maybe it cost me five grand to upgrade. They want ninety nine thousand dollars for this freaking truck. Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> it's a freaking it's it's stickered for eighty five and has three hundred miles on it. They're and, like, and I mean, yeah, ninety nine. I'm like well, you know, mine's worth, you know, trade in on mine because the market's not right. Which, you know, the market's nuts on mine too. So I'm like, well, they probably sell mine for 90. I wonder, you know, they're like, yeah, we could do, we do 85 trade. I'm like, sweet. Will you sell that other one for 95? You know, it's easier to sell an 85, you know, $90,000 or 95,000. They're like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to, we're going to make our money, boo. Yeah. Uh, crazy. It's ludicrous. It's crazy. Um, so, you know, I, I had told David a little bit that, that you're very much like Jeff and, and willing to say anything. <laughs> um, and, and you'll speak your mind like nobody I've ever met before. Just like Jeff, mm-hmm. you two twins. I'm just curious. Yeah. We, we talk a lot and, uh, I think, I think maybe he has a little bit more of an extreme view. <laughs> um, of the auto repair industry than I do. Right. However, the more I've talked to him in the past few years, yeah, the more I'm like, and I think it's, I think it might be like some of me being in the industry longer too, right? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, he's got a good point about that. I'm like, he really does, you know, man. It, yeah, it's you know, and I I try to not get like all boo hooey about it, right? I'm like, yeah, you know, because it's it's. I work, you know, I work like 11 hour days, right? So you can't, yeah. you can't go to work all boohoo about the automotive repair industry and fix rusty piles of junk and like these cars that have been to two other shops and the passenger seat is full of parts and they, it's still not fixed, right? Like you can't. Right. Well, you know, he and I have been, he and I have really been back and forth on that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always talking to him like, Hey, you know, there, there are good shops and there, there is good opportunity. It's not all there bad. Certainly are. Um, there certainly are good shops. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I, but, but the more and more that I talk to him, right. Like, and, and we talk about what he's going through right now and, and the mm-hmm. environment that he's in. I mean, dude, that's a shitty situation. Right. Like, oh, like yeah. leadership is BS there. And, yeah. and, you know, I think, I think there were some improvements that got made because he went and talked to the owner and he's like, Hey, listen, here's the deal. And, and some small improvements were made, but you know, and, and, and Jeff will tell you, like, I'm jaded, right. I'm, I'm jaded. I, I'm, I'm yeah, frustrated. Right. I'm aggravated. Yeah. I, yeah. and I get that. I really do. But then I hear the stories and hear the things that he's talking about. And I'm like, dude, I can't believe they're they're doing that. I can't believe they're acting that way. Yeah. So, and, and you know what the thing is too, I guess, I guess it all depends. I guess, you know, what I've started to s- discover, you know, with, you know, being on Facebook, listening to people talk, it's, yeah. there's a lot more, the, the percentage of good shops is higher in certain areas and the percentage of bad yeah. shops is higher in others. Okay. Yeah. I'm near, I'm up here near Buffalo, New York, near the Niagara Falls area to be exact. Right. And, um, our percentage of bad shops 
Um, and when I say bad shops, I, I mean a shop that's probably not paying their employees what they deserve to be paid. Right. And because of that, they don't attract um, top tier talent. I, I, I'm not kidding, man. It's it's like it's like probably 95 percent of them are bad. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's, it's I, I pretty alarming. Well, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because some of the things that, that I've noticed a, you know, and, and I think David and I heard something about this from somebody a while back and, and they were talking about New York city shops mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, but, but everybody in the city wants to be paid cash. And he's like, you know, everybody's like, oh, they only pay $10 an hour, but they all want $20 an hour cash on, the, you know, on the DL to be yeah. able to, you know, and, and I get it. New York taxes are insane in the first place. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I think that that you have to I, I was talking to an employee the other day and he had this other job opportunity. I'm like, dude, you need to weigh the pros and cons. I'm not saying I want you to stay here. I'm not saying I want you to go somewhere else. I'm saying I want you to weigh the pros and cons. I want you to know. Like, what are you doing here? Is this right for you? Yeah, right. Dude's going through some struggles, got some stuff going on. And he's like, okay, I'm I'm really struggling mentally and emotionally with this. Can you help me through it? And so we talked about things and it came time to talk about training. I'm like, have you ever done that before? And he says, no. Like, okay, have you ever uh, worked in that industry before? And he says, "Uh, no. I said, okay, are you willing to learn a brand new computer system? Uh, no, <laughs> right. I mean, like, and, and so I think a lot of techs that they, they get really frustrated with the shop and they're like, dude, screw this place. Oh, they treat me so bad. You, you kind of got to sit down and, and write it out. And I, there was a podcast years ago where they were talking about the invisible paycheck mm-hmm. and, and it's the things that you don't recognize you're getting out of something. Oh right? yeah. Oh, Absolutely. And I, yeah. I think it's easy to overlook that and say, you know, you don't recognize you've got this benefit. You don't recognize you've got that benefit, whatever it may be. And so you, you become jaded in, a, in one sense or another. And, and I think in I think in Jeff's case, he's rightfully jaded. Right. Dude doesn't yeah. want to be a business and, owner. And I think I think, too, like I, I kind of, you know, I kind of sync up with what he's got going on. Um, I started doing this. Let's see. I'm, I'm 35 years old right now. Right. I had a job in a shop, not like, like, like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I go over here and help out or whatever. Like I was on payroll. I had, I was getting a paycheck on payroll, paying taxes in a shop when yeah. I was uh, 17 years old in high school. Right. Um, so that being said, I've worked at, let's see here. I've worked at uh, two of each. I've worked at two new car dealers. Okay. I've worked at two retail chains and I've worked at two independently owned uh, auto repair facilities. Right. And it took me, I've been where I'm at right now for 12 years. So, you know, I didn't realize you'd been there that long. And, and I, uh, the guy that owns the place, he was managing the Goodyear I was working for, um, for, for the two years before him and I went over here and opened this shop, you know, so right. you know, I, I've been working for, you know, he was the store manager there. So I've, I've essentially been working for the same guy for 14 years. Holy cow. Yeah. Which is like an auto repair is like new world record, right? Like that's, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Well, so I'm a little curious and, and, you know, I, I, I was talking to Jeff about this the other day 
and for those listening, we're talking about Jeff Compton. Jeff's mm-hmm. a good friend of both of ours. He, he's one of our closest mutual friends. And so um, we were talking about the fact that as, as we um, as we look into our circles, right? Mm-hmm. And for instance, you know, we're all in one fairly tight circle. And, and I just got back from STX. And even though that's not necessarily my circle, there were a lot of people there that I knew. Sure. And, you know, we have the the Facebook groups and and those circles of technicians and owners and service advisors, they're pretty tight. There's a whole plethora of service professionals who aren't on social media, who don't involve themselves with this. How did you find yourself in the social media circle when it came to the automotive world? Did you just start researching it and say, Hey, I want to become part of a group. I mean, what, what led you to that? I was, uh, you know, I was already on Facebook, you know, to kind of keep track of high school classmates. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember. I think, I think maybe I was invited to the original, the, the big auto technicians, Pat's Facebook one page, of the bigger, the bigger one, like, like yeah. 13,000 members or something like that. Now, right. I think I'm still on it actually. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I got on there. And then, you know, you start you see certain people's names over and over again. You start to recognize, you know, who's, you know, when they give advice, you can kind of see, okay, this guy's intelligent. Well, I mean, everybody's got a level of intelligence. Let me rephrase that. This guy's trained up. This guy's not trained up. So on and so forth, right? This guy's obviously green or he, you know, lives under a rock if he's never seen this problem before. Right. You know, so on and so forth. And that's, you know, you get to know these guys, um, you know, it's been, it's been, it's, you know, it's just been, it's been crazy. If you'd have told me, Jeff and I were just talking about this today. If you would have told me 10 years ago in in 2012, if you would have told me that there's going to be Facebook groups all over the place for owners, advisors, managers, techs, and there's going to be podcasts where we're going to sit down with people we've never seen face to face, and we're going to talk about the automotive industry. I'd have told you you were high. <laughs> I'd have told right? you, yeah, I'd have been like, dude, you need to go home. <laughs> like, right? You need to like, right? But like, well, this thing's so- blown up, man. I mean, uh, that's how you know. I do a little bit of work with uh, Paul Danner, and like, that's like he like likes some of my camping pictures. And next thing you know, he's like, hey, man, he's like messaging me on the side. He's like, hey. I know you like camping. You and your family want to meet me down here camping or whatever. And I'm, you know, it's just dude, Paul's so awesome. He, I know it is. It was awesome unbelievable. Dude. Yeah, his his whole family's unbelievable. Well, our our two families camped together, um, right? Back in, oh, it would have been early, early 2020 during like the height of COVID, you know. And I was in communist New York State, so you know, <laughs> the, the kids have been the kids were sent home from school. The wife's home with the kids while they're supposed to be in school, and she's like, "We got to get out of here and go do something." Right. Right. Uh, he's he like had messaged me. And, you know, it was like a, it was like a Wednesday. He messaged right. me, right? And my, and it's, it's freezing up here. You know, we're going to, we're, you know, he's talking about meeting in Southern Pennsylvania. So my, my fifth wheel sitting beside the garage still has antifreeze in the lines on Wednesday evening. Right. Right. We are hooked up and out of town 8 a.m. Friday morning. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> like, I'm like, Hey man. I'll take you to Pennsylvania for seven days if you can get that camper packed, right? And I like she got out of the chair and started moving. <laughs> She's like, "We're out of here." But 
yeah, you know, it's, it's just crazy how the whole like just Facebook, just one one piece of social media has turned like the whole automotive repair community. You yeah, know, dude, you it know, really you, has. And it's and unbelievable. So, like I, I started improving my business, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, my story was is that I was done with shop ownership, right? I was so pissed off. I was so stressed out. I was doing everything, right? Like I mm-hmm. was, I was fixing the cars. I was writing the service. Yeah, that's. I a wasn't even a disaster. really good technician, you know. Like I was, I was decent. Um, and I started finding scanner danner videos, right? And I started getting better and better and better and got really good. I, I'm, I'm not saying that like tooting my own horn. I, I had abilities to do things. I could see like for me, electricity, I can see it in my head. You yeah, know what right. I'm saying? That's, like, yeah, you, that's, oh yeah. And, and so that God given gift. And, and so yep. I was able to, to pick up on what he was talking about and implement it in the things that I was doing. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go, you know, be the best tech I can be. I'm going to go get a job, whatever. Right. And so a, it started with seeing his videos on YouTube mm-hmm. that I decided I was going to go find a training event, found a training event, ended up in management training. And I'm like, dude, I can implement the same things right with the business, you know? And so like, it, it was crazy. And, and so was, my question. Yeah. Ahead. Years ago, that was unheard of, right? Like yeah. train, train, train on our hard skills, right? We train on diagnostics, train on, you know, everybody. Everybody and their brothers got a class on how to do something. But I mean, years ago, management training was like, it wasn't like, not like, you know, there wasn't a one local class a month to go to sponsored by Napa or Standard or you name it to go do. Hey, they gave you pizza though. Heck yeah. Oh man. And that chicken Alfredo or whatever they had. Oh, this, the baked ziti. <laughs> that's what it was. Oh man. I, I overdosed on so much baked ziti at training classes. It was ridiculous. Well, so um, did you, let me ask you this. Was it after the social media that you really took training to the next level and you started seeing training differently? I, I did. Um, I was always going to training, mm-hmm. um, whenever, you know, whenever a sales rep came in and, you know, they were like, oh yeah, we're going to have this class. You know, we were buying out from everybody and their brother we're buying from. Right. So, you know, we're seeing, you know, each month we're seeing five salesmen or whatever. And, um. I would go to those classes or whatever. And then it was kind of the same story as you. I, uh, I kind of found, you know, I found, you know, the scanner Danner videos on YouTube. Right. And I was like, man, this is kind of cool. Like he's teaching while he's working on it live. Yeah, dude. You know, like I can get into this. Yeah. And so it then made it was sense. Like, dude, it was like, it was like before the wife was up in the morning Saturdays, I was watching Scanner Danner. While I was making breakfast, I was watching Scanner Danner. She would want to go to bed early. I would watch Scanner Danner. You know what I mean? <laughs> She's I'd talking Sc- and you're hitting rewind 30 seconds. Rewind <laughs> yeah, 30 yeah. seconds. I'm like, hold Are on, you hold on, honey. Yeah, no. <laughs> hold on, honey. He's getting to the good part here. I think this thing's got its eighth bad crank sensor or something. <laughs> yeah, so no. And uh, just the way he was able to explain things and, you know, watch it live. You know what I mean? That kind right. of, you know, I kind of, and then I did kind of what you're talking about. I, uh, you know, I started seeking out training as far as destination events go. Um, right now I've never been to vision, but you know, I've been to like TST. I've been to a couple, you know, smaller destination training events. Right. Um, which, which, which quite honestly, 
when you, what happens is, is when you're serious about investing into yourself and investing into your training, right? And you have the ability to learn it. And then you have like years of experience. Like I, I always tell the guys at the shop that, you know, the only difference between me and them is that I've screwed up way more stuff than they have. Exactly. Um, you know, so I I think, you know, I, I found some of these destination training events to be a little bit almost underwhelming, but the okay. networking I mean, you just you just cash in on the networking. You get to meet all these people, dude. I'm face to face. I met Matthew Skundrick face to face. Paul Tanner, so you know, uh, <laughs> Matt and I get along great. <laughs> yeah, I do too. He's one of my good friends. I, yeah. I mean, look, I'm probably going to get hate mail for saying that Matt and I are friends, but he, you know, he he's a a good friend of mine. Oh, he's yeah, he's he's in my top ten. He's he's a great so, dude. Him and I talk weekly. You know, but it's, yeah, this whole Facebook thing has just made the whole thing unbelievable. We're talking to people, you know, um, all the time that you would never have met, never right. met. This wasn't possible. This wasn't possible uh, even in the early 2000s. Exactly. Well, right so to this level. I mean, how, I mean, how the heck were you going to have a conversation like we have now yeah. on via, you know, replies on IATN? <laughs> you you know exactly, what I'm saying dude. though, like it, it wasn't. Yeah, and, it didn't and even more so. How how could you uh, how could you arrange an event like that, right? And and the the number of people in IATN, you know, we we saw forums a big thing for a while, right? Mm -hmm. It just wasn't ever consistent enough. And then somebody would get mad and start another forum. The cool thing about the the Facebook group world was is everybody could kind of still be in that group and they'd get their their they're under britches in a wad and then they'd move over here and they'd move over there. But, but everybody yeah, right. was kind of still connected at this root level. Yeah. Because they, they started another group, but like, you know, half the people yeah. and they invite to that, invite the other half of people that got all pissed off or, or whatever, you know, how exactly that turns out, right? into the same group. It was before. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you said that, that those training events are underwhelming. Tell me why. Um, I think the technical, I think that once you get, once you get to a point where like, you know, and I'm, I'm talking and there's, there's a ton of guys that do this, man. I mean, I know I can, you know, just thinking of names off of Facebook, I can cherry pick guys that have put, you know, in the last 10 years, a thousand hours into their own time of their own time at home into themselves, hunting down training and learning about systems. Right. Right. So when you get guys that have done that, you know, and, and you get these destination training events. Well, and, and I understand what they're doing. They, they, they don't have a choice. They have to teach the class. So when Sean Miller brings his B level tech to the destination training event, like the thing doesn't start over his head. You know what I mean? Right. And, and just freak him out, you know, exactly. It, so I, I understand what they're doing. You know, I, I get it. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever sat in one of Ian Lebby's classes and, and no. ever since this class, I mean, dude, it was, it was the most amazing class I'd ever sat in, uh, in all my years. And, and I was in one of world packs classes and Ian was teaching the class and, and he had an assistant instructor that I think he was kind of reviewing to, to understand if he was going to be able to teach and, mm -hmm. and he could feel that other instructor losing the class. And so Ian pulls out this like stack of paperwork. <laughs> it's 
probably like two feet thick. Mm-hmm. And he throws it down on the table and he's like, this is my new Mercedes Benz book. And they won't even let me carry it on the airplane because it's too heavy. It's too big. <laughs> and, um, and he begins to explain and he's talking about flex ray and he's talking about the multi-beam headlights and he's talking about the strategy and how it works behind it. And when he's done talking, technicians are shutting their books and saying, people are I, drooling. I need a new career. Yeah. People are drooling. Everybody's <laughs> cross-eyed. Right. And dude, it was amazing because like I, I, I had done enough research in that area that I could at least grasp what he was talking about. Sure. And it was absolutely, it was showing how smart and how much knowledge you actually need to be in this career. But you're right because the BTEC sitting next to me says, dude, I can't do this. There's no way I can't yeah, understand this, this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're, you're sitting next to people. You're taking a class on, you know, GDI or whatever, and they're sol- showing solenoid functions and stuff like that. And it's like, come on, come on, dude. Like, what's going on? Yeah. But, uh, you know. there's a B level guy to your right that doesn't even have a full grasp on volts, amps and ohms yet. Right. So yeah, like I get it. Like I get it, but but it's tough when you're there and you're like, it is. And I'm depending on that knowledge. I'm depending on that information. I, I am looking at this to take me to the next level right now. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that my guys keep coming back and saying is boss, man, we have to implement what we're learning if we want to retain it. I agree. Yep. Right. Sure. The, the thing is, is that the reason Scanner Danner was so effective for me as a technician, even as a shop owner, is because I could do that on my own time. And when I got into that system and I didn't understand it, I'd go back and I'd watch a video. Right. And and so, like, even though I'd watched the video four times, now I go watch that video and I pull up the wiring diagram for this car. And I look at it, I'm like, ah, there it is. That makes sense. Okay, I get it. You know what I mean? The one little thing that I didn't quite understand or I didn't catch, and now I'm in the system working on it. Sure. Absolutely. I am learning at that point. I'm learning at the point of contact, if you will. Yep. And so that that was how I learned. Whereas when I wanted to begin to implement new cars into the shop, for instance, right? Like you Mm -hmm. want to learn about a Volkswagen, you go to a Cameron Conover class. That's just what you do. Mm -hmm. And you sit in Cameron's class and he explains the car and he explains all of the intricacies. So now the technician comes to me and I'm writing service for him. And he says, Hey, I, you know, I I need a, a timing belt and I, you know, I need more testing time. Well, did you check to see if the tensioner was overextended? Uh, Right. No. (laughs) Okay. Let me, let me pull the book out. Here it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so those are little things that you retain and the knowledge that you, you bring in and you keep. Yeah. So I think it's, it's got to be both. Yeah, I, I I agree. But, Um, But here's, here's what I'll say though, is I think the problem is. And a lot of people are going to get mad at me for saying this, <laughs> but Brian, the problem is, is a bunch of jackass shop owners are just saying, uh, just pick whatever class you want here. Let me just throw you in that class. Oh, exactly. just, just, let's just pick a random class. No, sure. because if we're not understanding what they need to learn, exactly. when we send a technician to a class, dude, we're wasting their time and our money. Exactly. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent agree. Um, there's, there's no, yeah, it, exactly. You have to identify the need. Um, yeah, you know, and, um, with our local training events, you know, I've always led by example, I go right. Yeah. Um, guy that teaches for standard motor products, Ken Brown does a lot yeah. of classes in our area. And, uh, I, I went to a, an EVAP class one time, uh, he was teaching not too long before COVID or whatever. And he laughed. He goes, what the heck are you doing here? 
<laughs> you know, because you want to teach or what? I go, no. I said, if I'm going to get, I said, if we're going to get four or five guys go to this EVAP class, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to have to go, right? And and, and, and I, see, I see what you're saying with that, though. Like, like our lube tech probably at that point didn't need to go to an EVAP class, probably need to go. They literally have, you know, training classes on, you know, yeah. there's there's classes on oil, right? Oh, That's- definitely. Peter Orlando, we were at the R&D facility. I, I want to say it was three years ago. And Peter did the, the rendition of the oil uh, and lubricant class before it was released for us in the R&D facility. Right. And, dude, he went over it level by level by level. And I had the service advisors there. I had the technicians there. And even yeah. the experienced technicians were like, holy shit, I did not know that. Oh, <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? And so, oh, yeah. Base stock, ad packs, this, that, the exactly. other thing. Oh, yeah. And and so I guess my point is, is like we've got to bring a technician up. Like we have apprentices in the shop. We've got to bring them up from a base level of proficiency. And we mm-hmm. have to give them things in bite-sized chunks that they're comfortable with that they can take and retain. Yep. And – and right. identify their training needs, right? Yeah. Like not everybody needs a Ford drivability class, but Absolutely. this guy who consistently recommends a coil and a plug and hopes for the best, you know, with no other information, right? Maybe he needs to know, you know, how these things tick, you know? Yep. Um, yep. It, yeah. You have to identify the need. You don't, you know, like, like a guy like me, like, I don't, I don't need to go to a GM EVAP class, right? Right. I don't probably need to go to a Ford drivability class. Do I need to go to a Volkswagen class? Hell yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, definitely. Um, I know just enough to be dangerous, you know, right. <laughs> if I didn't, you know, if I didn't know how to look at stuff and figure out what may, I mean, I'd be lost. Yeah. I'd be definitely. lost if I, if I wasn't so fortunate as to, like you said, be able to practically see electricity. And just yeah. look at a diagram and understand the circuit design and how it works. I'd be lost. Absolutely, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't even know Same where to boat. start. You know, and 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 maybe that's where we've got to start as a whole, right? Maybe we need to back up here just a little bit, and we need to take our technicians and get them the ability to do. You know, I, I, we've talked about having classes, and we had a panel at at ASTE mm-hmm. about the diagnostic process. Right. Like not not what is diagnostics or how to do a diagnostic process, lay out the process. What is the thought process behind it? Yeah. And it's hard to get people to register for things like that because they want to take the neat, the cool class. No, you need to understand how to research. You need to understand how to, to, to find the information about system operation. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I tell my guys all the time, like I grew up and like, Never mind. I'm not going to share what I was going to share. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's just say that I got really good with Google, right? And I got sure. really good with search engines and understood what words I need to put in to obtain what information I wanted to obtain. Yeah. And so, like, there's an art to it. And, and, and man, knowing a how lot to do of that stuff is, is yeah. And, and a lot of that stuff is still on Google. That's, that's the frustrating part, right? It's where, yeah, when you have a thousand dollar a month service information bill between, you know, who knows how many service information yep. subscriptions you have. And, uh, you know, you're trying to figure something out and you're like, you search for about 10 seconds and you just grab your phone, you hit the microphone, you just talk it into it. Right. And uh, boom, there it is. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, finding the information, absolutely. The diagnostic process itself, most, most of my, I, I do a lot of diagnostic work. Um, right. I'm the shop foreman. Um, 
for the shop I'm in. For the shop, we have 12 minutes down the road. Um, you know, I do a lot of, you know, when the crap hits the fan, you know, I'm like the guy, right? Right. And, man, every time I don't shoot a bullseye, it's always when I, because whenever I don't shoot a bullseye, I don't just figure out what the actual problem is, but I'm like, all right, man, how, how did I even get here? Like, what 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 caused me to miss yeah. this mark, right? And it always comes back to a breakdown in the diagnostic process. Yes, sir. Right. Every anything that's actually time. my fault. Anything that's actually my fault. So 90% of the time, it's a bad part. <laughs> 10% of the yep. time, there was a breakdown in the diagnostic process. Something happened. Somebody an came assumption, to you. An yep. assumption was made. Was this. Yep. Um, I didn't bring the thing in and look underneath it or something. You know, I tried to do it in the parking lot. I, you know, you name it. If I, I have in the past, I will say in the past five years, for sure. In the past five years, I have not missed the mark every time I followed my diagnostic process to a T. Yes. And, and I've you've not missed the mark one. in five years. You've now, I've, I've missed the mark because I've not followed my process. <laughs> yeah. But hey, dude, um, I'm telling you. And and look, I, so so Eric is is one of my technicians, and and he's completely okay with me picking on him. So I'm I'm able to mm-hmm. say this. But you know, years ago, um, when he first started for me, one of the first jobs he ever did was an old seven three, right? Okay. And he goes down, and I said, "Is the check engine light on with key on?" He, he's he's not really worked on a lot of this stuff, and and he mm-hmm. says, "No, it's not." And I said, "Go out and check this fuse." And it was the fuse for the fuel heater, right? And he right. said, "It's good." And I said. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, said, it's probably not. Uh, yeah, it, it's good. And he said, I promise it's good. I checked it and I said, okay. I said, and you have no communication. No, I don't have anything. I said, dude, go back and check that fuse. Like, I, he's like, okay. So at this point, it starts raining and he's out here and he checks the fuse again and he comes back in and, and he's like, no, the fuse is good. I'm like, dude, I'm about 95% sure that fuse is not good. Like, right. Uh, it's very, very rare for it to be good in this scenario, but okay, I'll humor you. We'll pull it inside and and we pull it in and it rolls in. I take my thumb and I push it over against the fuse and I'm getting ready to pull it out. And I hear the truck wake up. I'm like, hit the key. He hits the key and the truck starts. I'm like, okay. So I pull the fuse out and it's got copper wire wrapped around the bottom of it. Oh gosh. I checked it with a test light. I'm like, dude, you, you didn't check the fuse, checking the fuse is pulling fuse out and looking at it. Yeah. Right. The fuse was bad. There's no way around it. You know, Yeah, up here in the salt belt, we have a lot of fuses that are good with the test light. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, exactly. we have a lot of rotted off legs <laughs> used together. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like it, it's something simple. It's something stupid like that. And, and you know, David, David can speak to this because man, he, he made such a badass point. We were talking to the guy from TechNet, Phil Norville. And Mm -hmm. Phil runs like a four wheel drive Jeep establishment. And David brings up the fact of these news stories that have gone around and this car goes shop to shop to shop. And the, they, they have rigged it to where the mass airflow sensor fuse is bad. Okay. And so what they do is they go shop to shop to shop and they say, Mm -hmm. okay, every shop said, we want this to test it. But then this one shop, it was just a fuse. Right now, the truth of the matter is, is that one shop got really effing lucky, right? Like the owner, owner yeah, popped the not, hood and thought, oh, it's got a code from math. Let's check. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a hero. That's a hero for the uneducated, right? But exactly. when the lady goes around the corner, hits the railroad tracks and the ball joint folds out because the thing was never on a hoist. 
Absolutely. You know? That was our whole point. And, and, you know, David, David's point was, and I don't know where he is. He's probably off in La La Land staring at a bouncing ball going across the screen. I don't know. Intently um, listening. <laughs> but, but, you know, his point was, is that like, who, who's the asshole? Right. Who, who ripped who off? Because according to the news channel, it's the guy who walked out and pulled the fuse out. Oh, and yeah. Didn't charge him anything. Oh, yeah. Because every, everybody knows everything right off the top of their head. They're going to know exactly what the problem is. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's garbage. It's it's every car that comes into our shop gets put up in the air. You look yeah. at the thing underneath, especially I mean, like cars that you don't think you need to do this with. I mean, we have we have a customer. uh was it, was it two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, his 2020 Chevy blew an oil line off. Right. Right. Two-year-old vehicles have leaks developing. Even if even if you've got no money to make in this situation, right? Even if you're yeah. speeding a little bit, like say you're like, right? Because I'll give you an example, which I know happens all the time. States that have safety inspection. How many two-year-old vehicles with 12,000 miles are being lifted? Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. It do to make you sick. Right? Make you sick. So they're not being lifted. You know, we had we had a 19 GMC terrain in today with a left front ball joint that was smoked. I don't know if they got a pothole. I don't know what they got. I mean, we're not even gonna make the money on it, but it's a twenty three thousand mile car that some lady's driving around in with her yeah. child. I mean, this thing's a safety hazard, right? Yep. Absolutely. And you're going to not, you have to do your process on every car. You have to. I don't even like it. I was a flat rate tech for a while. I hate the process, but you have to do it. There's too much liability involved in auto repair. Well, so, so here's the deal, right? Like when I first started working on improving my business, my shop coach like forced me to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so he, he kept saying these things and at the time it didn't really resonate with me. I, I, I couldn't make sense of what he was saying. It was obvious. But I didn't want to hear what he was saying. Right. He, he said three or four things. And he said, first of all, they have unspoken expectations. They expect the car to be safe when it leaves your shop. I don't give a yep. damn what they say. Yeah. They it expect it to matter. be safe. If they came in to get the rear view mirror glued back on, That's they it. assume the car is safe when it leaves yep. your shop. Absolutely. And so they, they expect it to be safe. They expect you to put your good housekeeping seal of approval on the car when it pulls out the door, whether they said that to you or not, you're doing it. Oh yeah. Right. In their mind, you're doing it. Yep. And, and the thing that, that still to this day sticks with me is you let the damn customer dictate the policy. The one thing that can protect you is that process and you let them change it. You let them dictate it because what they want. Yep. And I'm like, but, but they're in a hurry and this happened and that happened and they wanted this. And they, and he said, exactly. They, 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 who is the damn professional? Yep. Oh, that did not feel nice. Yeah, <laughs> right? I know. And, I, I get it. I get it. I am. I human nature. We don't want to do any more work than we have to. Right. Yeah. When I pull a car in and you know, it's here for a misfire diagnostic and I've determined from the driver's seat that it's a fuel injector and, or, you know, it's, it's a fuel issue on that cylinder. And I've gone right. to that cylinder and I'm nine minutes into this car and I have the answer. And it's a 2018 or whatever, right? Yep. Do you think for one second, I want to climb my fat rear end on the ground, <laughs> put lift pads under this thing and all that stuff. But guess what? With, there's freaking 2018s with wheels falling off. There's 2018s yeah. with bad ball joints. There's 2018s Absolutely. with 
uh, brake squealers that are missing because they're rotted off up here and the friction materials paper thin. There's 2018s with screws in the shoulder of the tire. There's uh, you just name it, man. They're, well, they're look, broke. These these hey, cars are all broke, man. And it's your, they don't care. It's exactly what you said. You're putting your, when you tell them, Mr. Customer, come get your car. You've told them that their car is all set to go. Yep. Exactly. There's, unless it's noted anything else on the work order, you've told them, yep, your car is all set to go. So if I, you know, if I pull a Ford in and, you know, if I pull an EcoBoost in and I, you know, change over some coil boots, and one coil and a spark plug. I've I've told this guy his truck's good to go. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, exactly. When his upper ball joint smoked and he pulls out of my shop and it's the railroad tracks next door and the wheels folded out, you know, yeah. he doesn't yep. care that he didn't pay me for a safety inspection. Exactly. He don't care. It was just at the shop. Well, it was it, just at the shop. How many times have you heard? I just had it in, even when it's not your fault. Right, because brake lights yep. burn out whenever. Right, so you you do a valve cover gasket on the car. Two weeks later, a customer calls and says, "Hey, I was just at your shop and my brake lights out." Right, I it's know. always I was just yeah. at your shop. I was just at your shop. Well, like it's yeah, the liability's on you. You got to make sure you're doing your due diligence. Here, here's the thing, right? And and so shop owner perspective here, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about Jeff a lot. Me and you have been talking back and forth, and 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 Daniel Claude and I and and Zach McLean. I'm, I'm sure you've seen some of the videos we just released from him. Mm-hmm. But but you know we keep talking about what's wrong in our industry as a whole, and and I think so much of what I've heard and what I can deduce from what I've heard from technicians and owners is we're not all on the same page, and and a lot of what I see is that that owners have a moving bar. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they make excuses and they say, well, I'm the owner, so it's okay because, right. And the, the client, the, the front of house staff or the owner doesn't want to upset the client. So they begin to move the process or the policy to fit that. Or the writer change, does or what have you. Sure. Yep. Yep. And, and so they change the bar for the technician. They change the expectation for the technician. If we could all be on the same page doing the same thing and the process worked the same way every single time. So we all had a standard expectation, right? And, and mm-hmm. like I, I posted one of Zach's videos and Pat's and, and a, a technician said, well, he must be a parts changer if he needs a process to fix cars. No, nah, dude. No, like, I don't, I don't no. think you understand. How, yeah. How are you? No, the, a parts changer doesn't need a process because he's being what to told what to change. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. No, it's, it's, it's exactly the opposite. The guy who figures out the car that's been towed from shop to shop to shop, he's got to have yep. a process. The guy who blindly bolted on parts that he looked up on Identifix, he didn't need any process, right? He just exactly. bolted parts on and didn't fix the car. You know, and, want and, your cookie? Lefty, loosey, right. righty, tighty. And, and, and here's the thing is that, that this guy's looking at processes and he's trying to figure out how processes would apply to him, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so one of my responses was Lola, who is a, a moderator, or Laura Lee, who is a moderator of ASOG, had two applicants come and apply for a job. And when they got there, they left. And she's like, why did you leave? And they said, because you're too professional for me. And she said, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, like, yeah. I'm not willing to change. I, I want to do what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm not interested in working yeah. in that kind of I shop. I want to rail lug nuts down with impact guns and you know right. all that good stuff, right? So, so the question is, do you want to be a professional technician 
right? Who has a process that protects the shop, that protects you, that, that protects the client. Because at the end of the day, that's what we do. Yeah. Or do you just want to come in and get your paycheck and leave? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, there's no place for that guy. I mean, no, I know there is. I mean, there's plenty of shops that are. Oh, yeah, plenty no of shops what. employ them, and and they're the first ones to complain that a I'm not being treated like a professional. Yep. B this industry doesn't pay. I'm not being paid like a professional, and and you know, well, and I, I get it, right? Like we all have those days where like you're like, you know what? Screw this industry. Nobody wants to work on cars. Everybody in here is out of their mind. But at the end yep. of the day, if you want to get treated. Like a professional, you know, and, and I always, I love making comparisons to other industries. Um, you know, those guys have to work in a professional manner. They have a <laughs> set of standards. Yes. Your electrician that's working in your new shop isn't doing it all willy nilly. He is no. doing it to a set of standards yes. with processes that have been laid out in training and he will not let you dictate what size wire a, he is running to a certain spot in your shop because it's men. faster to get this size wire. A so freaking men, buddy. I, I get there both sides. I get both sides of the argument. Um, I've, I've been, I've worked in shops where I've been unfairly, not professionally treated. Yeah. Um, specifically, you know, dealerships, you're kind of just a number most of the times. Um, you know, but I've seen it on the other end, man. Guys that, you know, I've dealt with guys, you know, we're torquing wheels at the shop. I've been doing this, you know, I knock on wood. I've been doing this like 17 or 18 years. I ain't had a wheel come off. I mean, I got like, you know, we got like 23-year-old kids that think they're too good to torque a damn wheel. Dude. Right? Dude, I'm like, telling you. I'm like, dude, like, no, you're not going to make this call. I am making this call. Right. Yeah. The wheel well, will you, be torqued. You don't have that opportunity to yeah. not do that. This you know, is what yeah. we do. The response is, well, I feel like it's a waste of time. I go, well, I feel like a phone call for a wheel off is a waste of time. So you know what? This is what we're going to do. Right. You're going to clean yeah. the backs of the wheels and you're going to torque them down by hand. You know, we're hey, not going to do this willy nilly. And and here's the deal is, is that I've, I've been in this deal where I keep telling people in ASOG shop owners primarily. And they say, well, I, I got the client to sign a disclaimer. Dude, that client is going to forget all about that disclaimer by yeah. the time something yeah, happens. Yeah, you can. It and it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. The, no, the, it's not going to do anything. I mean, for if you, I mean, have you ever, uh, have you ever researched some of these court cases? It oh, doesn't. Dude, it crazy. doesn't matter what they sign. The the, it, the, the one the you day, ever you ever listen to the one where the the shop has to put a motor in the guy's Audi because they installed his customer supplied radiator in no, the, the court. Yeah, the court determined. That it was up to the shop as professionals, right, to determine whether that radiator was good enough to do the job or not. Long story short, customer has an Audi with a leaky radiator, right? The go on Rock Auto or you name it, ChinaPart.com, who knows, right? They get a radiator, right? Because they don't want the Audi radiator. That thing's like eleven hundred bucks. They're like, I got this radiator, got it for eighty-seven bucks. How much to put it in? I don't know if it was really 87, but you get the idea. Right. Shop shop goes, you know what? Whatever. We'll put your radiator in, but you know, that's going to be no warranty, right? No warranty on the radiator, right? Right. Which a lot of guys, if you ask a lot of shop owners, they think that, okay, this is, you know what? I don't like installing customer supplied parts. I didn't get to make no money, but uh, instead of my normal labor rate, I charge 20 bucks more an hour. I make it up on the, you know, 
the other end, you know, with my recovery factor and what have you, they put the radiator in. Right. Two months later, radiator splits. The the plastic tank blows off the side of the radiator, right? Right. Guy takes it to shop B. Shop B says, yep, radiator blew out and your motor's junk. There's rod bearing in the oil pan. The thing got stupid hot, right? This dude, this customer takes shop A to court. Takes them to court over this blown out radiator that shop A did not supply. So shop A didn't buy it through a supplier, right? Like I'm sure you're on some sort of program where if something crabs the bed, you've got some sort of coverage, right? Well, shop A didn't do that. Right. So they don't have no coverage on this thing. The judge orders shop a, I mean, the used engine for the Audi and the install and everything else is like 12 large shop. A has to pay out $12,000 court ordered because they put the customer installed radiator in. Absolutely. And dude, we tell people this all the time. Nobody gets the liability of auto repair. This isn't your granddad's shop no more, man. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing is like, I'm sure. Did you ever see the John Eagle collision case? Did you ever see anything about that? No, I don't. I don't know if I've seen that one. Okay. So it's $31.5 million. Oh my goodness. I think it is two cents a minute or two cents an hour for every hour this man lives for suffering. And, and it came back and like at the end of the day, you go read the court case and it went back and forth. The court transcripts were, were John Eagle's lawyers saying, well, it's not really our fault. Like they asked us to use subpar repair methods. The insurance company did. And, and, oh, and yeah. it, at the time it was their car and they asked for this. And the oh, judge yeah. said, you know, doesn't I, matter. I, here the law says because the the jury's going to hear this case and and the judge says I have to inform you that what the law says in the universal commercial code states you are a professional it yep. is your job to maintain fitment warrant quality and ensure that the vehicle is going to be safe and reliable that's what a professional does that's yep. your job that's yep. what you got paid for it doesn't matter if the insurance yeah, company yeah. said it was good or bad or the contract, they wanted this or one of that yeah nah, the, the insurance contract is between the insurance company and the customer the safety yep. of the vehicle is between you and the customer that's right exactly it's just right. it's no different than extended warranty stuff right if That's extended exactly warranty right. A only wants to pay $1,100 for my $1,500 job, well, it doesn't get the $1,100 job. Yeah, they can take it somewhere absolutely. else. Like, we, you got we, you got to come up with 400 bucks, man. Like, what do you want me to tell you? We just did a $7,200 job. They wanted to pay $4,000, and they're like, uh, the shop's trying to rip you off, and they're this, and they're that, and all this stuff. And, and like, no, just man. explained, here's my We're just my trying price. to fix it properly. Exactly. Here's <laughs> We're my not price. the enemy here, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, the client paid, it wasn't anything at the end of the day, they paid and we went on about our business, but you know, we, as professionals, we have a responsibility. And I I think one of my fears is, is that we find ourselves backed into that corner, like the body shops did $50 an hour labor, because we can't get enough work without the insurance companies. And, and, you know, a while back, I I think it was Adam Huber was on the podcast and he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, we sell products that you can coat a car with a ceramic coat and you can make upwards of $140 an hour just selling the product without parts GP on it. He said, there's no way. He said, you could coat cars all day long and still make more than you could fix in body parts on cars. Sure, you know? It's ridiculous. Sure. Why are you doing it? Yeah. But yeah, to, to come back around, I mean, that's like I said, I see both sides of the argument. I mean, yeah, guy, if you want to be treated like a professional, and, and there's a lot that goes into this. Some guys have been used and abused mm-hmm. and they're just like, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. You know, 
I'm not buying this. You know, I need to start acting like a professional now. You know, every time, you know, the yeah. labor rate's been slashed. You know, the guy's been working flat rate, has to, you know, do whatever to get paid or isn't getting paid because it's, you know, oh, well, was it a bad part or was it you and this, that, and the other. Like, I get it, you know. But on the other hand, we have to do our part to make sure that we are doing this as professional as possible. Yeah. And, and I get it. It's not fun. It's, it's much more fun to wrench on something in my garage at my house that is mine and not do it professionally than it is to, you know, have to go to work and like have to follow these processes, have to do something that's, you know, like a major, I'm, I'm a big dude, you know, being six foot five, you know, some of these processes you have to follow, you know, oh, well, you need to get down in here and do this and do that. You know, yeah, it's, it sucks sometimes, you know, but right. like we have to, everybody's got to do better if it's going to get better. Right. I agree. And, and here's the thing is like, so I'm, I'm so thankful to have friends like you and, and Daniel and, and Zach, um, and, and obviously Jeff, you know that. Mm -hmm. And I talk to Jeff every day, almost yep, and, same here, you know, and some of the things that we talk about and, and I've told him before, I based a lot of how we do things in my shop off of conversations he and I've had, and I'll call him or I'll send him a message and be like, Hey, what do you think of this? Or, you know, Hey, have you ever experienced this? And, and reason being is, is because like, it's hard as a shop owner because the circles I run in. They're not treating their people that way. At least I don't think they are. It's always possible. And I'm like, hey, you know, have you seen this? Have you heard of people treating people this way? Yeah. Or no, it's not very common, but it happens. Mm -hmm. And and I think in a lot of ways, that's you look at Jeff and you listen to his episodes that we did a while back. Yeah, he's jaded. But dude, he's been burned. Oh, and, and big time. Yeah. Big and time. it comes from BS shop owners and it comes from BS management who who didn't care about, I, I won't say they didn't care about their people, right? I'm not, I'm not going to put words in somebody's mouth. I don't know how they felt, but the fact is, is that they did not take care of their people at the end of the day. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to look at that and say, okay, if that's, if that's the case, what was wrong in that scenario and how do we make it better? How do we improve it? Yeah. The way I see it, there's going to be good shops and bad shops. And I want to be one of the good ones. I'm going to base my, my processes off of the best I can from somebody like Jeff, somebody like you, who is in a good shop, who's finally kind of got things figured out, who's had the shit into the stick oh, and now, yeah. ha now doing well and pull some experience from that and say, okay, here's what everybody complains about. Yep. Here's what everybody's unhappy about. Yeah. You know, Zach, Zach was talking about in his episode, like, dude, they didn't even tell me where to hang the keys up. Like mm -hmm. I didn't know where to get the keys and I didn't know what to do with the repair yeah. when I was done. Yeah, and when I didn't you show up to a shop, when you show up to a shop, yeah, right? So you've you've talked to like right, like there's there's a lack of interview process. Yeah. Right? There I agree. By and large, um, there's a lack of interview process. And this doesn't go for any everybody because I've I've also had the opposite where it was like, you know, but for the most part, there's a lack of interview process. Interview yeah. process, like how long you've been doing this? Like this is this is your average interview process around here. How long you been doing this? What do you know? You got a lot of tools, and how much money do you make now? That's dude. Right. That's like the interview process around here, right? That's yeah. that's what it is. So then you show up at this place, right? 
you haven't they don't you don't you haven't been back to talk to any of the guys that work there. You roll your toolbox in, and like the first thing that happens, this this happened to me. I started I started at the second time I worked for a Ford dealer. I uh I roll my toolbox in there, right? That was like that was like the interview process. He's like, All right, so you can start two weeks from now, right? I'm like, right. Yeah, man, yeah, man, no problem. I freaking I'll wrench circles, you know, on these power strokes. Ain't no problem, dude. And um so you like roll your toolbox in the door, right? In a in, and it was a pretty big dealer. It was like a like a thirty 36 bay dealership with about 25 ish techs, right? Holy cow. Yeah, dude. It, it was a big dealer. And uh you're like rolling your toolbox and I had I had this annoying, the snap on neon green toolbox, the the big three bay. It was it was double tall, right? It was a top and bottom, right? And you're just getting the stare. Like you haven't even met any of these guys, right? In the dealership. Yeah. Like they're like, it's like piranhas in there, man. They're like, well, this dude's got a big box. This dude's going to be competition, right? So you're already not starting off on a good foot. Whenever you go to a flat rate shop and you roll a big box in there, like it, you're already a problem. And then I remember, man, I roll this box and I put it right where this guy tells me and he walks away, right? The service director of this huge dealership. Right. The first thing somebody said to me in that shop was your box is in front of the thermostat. <laughs> <laughs> Which didn't bother me none because everybody wants a piece of the big guy, right? But (laughs) you know, but dude, this like this stuff happens. Yeah, this stuff happens. You want to talk about how to like somebody who hasn't been a little work hardened by being at a couple flat rate places, right? Like if I'm like taking my first shot at you know a flat rate job or something like that, you know, I haven't been you know working out there, you know, like I'm out of there. You know what I mean? Like how are you going to retain a guy when that's that's the greeting? crew well, <laughs> you know what i you know, mean and, and um we, we got to be so careful about believing what people say too right like you're talking about the interview process i'll never forget i was in a ford dealership one time and i was buying parts mm-hmm. and i hear this ruckus in the back and one of the technicians that i knew was was in parts he said yeah he said you better come back here and look at this and so as i walk out of the parts room door this technician the, there's a rollback loading his toolbox up on on the rollback right Mm-hmm. And uh, there's an F-150. It's a brand new F-150 sitting there. And there was something about a blower motor, controller, and a harness, right? Mm-hmm. And so basically when Ford sent them the harness, which had the blower motor controller plug on it, mm-hmm. this technician who had tons of experience and had this giant toolbox and supposedly knew all this stuff, but was only like 19 or 20 years old. Oh gosh. Decides yeah, he just had a ton he, of debt. That's all he had. Right. And so he <laughs> looks at this, he looks at this giant harness and he's like, Oh, okay. So I've got to replace it. Well, he goes to one of the more experienced techs and they said, nah, man, just go up there and cut the harness and, and change it out. Dude, this cat goes up there and cuts like the bulkhead of the harness and like oh, starts chopping no. whole chunks of wiring harness out. Oh gosh. And dude walks over there. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> he's like, I meant like cut the blower motor end off. You don't have to change the whole harness. That was just part of the warranty ticket. That's just what they had available in right? you. Duh. He's, and he's he, like, yeah, Mr. Experience have- doesn't know that you cut that little pigtail off and throw the rest under the bench. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, nah, dude, you got to put that back together. And he's like, fuck this. I'll go flip hamburgers. Dude. Ah! <laughs> back together. I'm like, the- shit up. I'm out. So you know? we have, we have an excellent. I have an excellent rage quit story and I can tell this story. This is uh, a kid. We still talk to. He doesn't work for us right now. 
Um, right. He's doing the whole believing the grass is greener on the other side. So, so we're talking about him coming back. Right. But, um, the first time, the first time he quit, which he, he was, he was 18 years old, fresh out of high school. I got, I got to preface this with that. So he was a right. very green young fella. We give him this. We we're in a farming community. We do a ton of ag and tractor tires. It's, it's ridiculous. Implement tires. It's, it just started to take off around here. You know, we're doing, we got tires with chalk stacked up against the building outside with farm names on them. It's nuts, right? We do a ton. Right. I give him this old, not I, my boss gives him this old, uh, it's a, it's not a split rim, but it's a, it's a 10, 120, you know, it's a, a 10 right. inch wide, 20 inch tire, you know, low range H, right? Like a 16 ply. Yeah. And, um, it's like his third or fourth day on the job. <laughs> oh, this story is so funny. Oh, dude. And um, so Chris is over there. He's like taking the little, you know, little sissy swings at it with the hammer. And, you know, I, I, I never got any help along the way with stuff. I never had anybody show me how to do nothing. And I, and I think it's part of what's made me successful because I don't go asking for help. Right. Um, but like, so, so what I like to do is like, like on something like that, like, this kid's going to, I'm not going to go over there for at least 15 minutes. He's going to have some time to sweat it. Yep. I'm going to give him some time to understand that he don't know shit. So he can, he can understand that, you know, I'm going to go over there and he's going to have to listen to me to understand how to do this stuff. And so <laughs> he's hammering on it, hammering on it. He ain't making no, nowhere. So I go over there. I go, Hey bud, I go, see this. I go, this is penetrating oil. And it's, it's a big gallon jug of penetrating oil for tires. I right. go, pour this there. I said, in here, I'm going to show you how to hit this side. So it comes off and I give it a couple wax and the beads broke. Right. And right. I go, put the, put the bar in the middle, flip it over, you know, so he does all that. I go, so, okay, do it on this side. 15 minutes goes by. He doesn't have that side off. So I go do that side for him. Right. I go, okay. I go, you got to stick the tire lever in here and start prying him over. Right. So like 20 minutes goes by. And, uh, you know, he walks up to the front office or whatever. And, um, you know, he, I wasn't paying attention. And then the, the kid had, I remember he had a Dodge Ram. It was a, uh, with a Hemi in it and he had like straight pipes on it. So the thing's loud. And, uh, all of a sudden the I hear the thing start up next to the shop and it drives away. Right. Right. And I, uh, so anyways, it's like, you know, an hour later and it's lunchtime or whatever. And I, I go, Hey Jim, I go, what's, I go, what's up with that? Chris, do you have to take off? He goes, yeah, he came up here. He had to, uh. He had to talk to me about the schedule. I go, oh, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, uh, he goes. The problem is that he was on the schedule. And he didn't want to be on anymore. <laughs> so the kid rage quit over a twenty-inch truck tire. <laughs> so you know, it, it's funny you bring this up, and and so we've done the apprenticeship program for a while now, right? Mm-hmm. And we've had some really great ones come through, and we've had some that weren't really interested in in actual work, right? right? And and one came to me, and he said. I'm interested, I'm interested in becoming a shop owner. And I said, okay, Mm -hmm. so you're going to shadow each person in the shop and then you're going to shadow me. And so the third day that he and I loaded scrap onto a, onto a dump truck and picked up little pieces of scrap that had fallen off the scrap truck. And he's like, dude, I, you know, this is unfair. I don't understand. And I'm like, listen, let me explain something to you in my shop. When I started, Everything was on my back. Right. I had to clean the toilets. I had to do everything. If yeah. I diagged it wrong, that was that was me not eating. Then there. If, yeah. if I didn't fix it correctly and it came back, it was me paying for it. I know what that feels like. Yep. If, you clean if the toilets. If the work got done, yeah, it was me, bro. 
And, and I think that so many, you know, like we hear that thing all the time. Shop owners just want a bow. Well, I mean, dude, a lot of shop owners have put a ton of blood, sweat and tears into their shops to get where they're at. Yeah. You know, and and I I believe in giving back, right? I'm not saying I don't believe in giving back. I'm not saying I don't believe in taking care of your people. I guess my point is, is like at the end of the day, I I wish Tex understood that as a shop owner, I wake up at two o'clock in the morning and I think, oh my God, what if, you know, what if it all falls apart tomorrow? What if I can't take care of my people? What if, what if, what if, right. and did they call that one person and did they deal with that one thing? And when the phone rings in the middle of the night and it's the police department saying somebody stole a car out of the lot, who has to deal with that? Right. Right. Like there, there's so much pressure and so much stre- stress that I don't think the people on the outside understand and, and they can walk away. Right. Like at the end of the day, they can get up and say, you know what? I'm going to go get a job somewhere else. Yeah. I hate to tell you the shop owner, man, he's there. Like there's, there's no getting out of it. And I know David and I have talked about this. David said before, like, man, I, I, I can't take this pressure. I'm just, I'm ready to, you know, I'm ready to give it away. They can have it. Right. But but they don't want that pressure. And and when it comes down to it, nobody really deserves that kind of stress stress and pressure but that's part of ownership that's what you sign up for yeah yeah and i mean if if i mean let's i've told many people this about me i mean do you think if shop ownership was that great do you think in for one second i wouldn't have my own place yeah <laughs> exactly do you think a guy with my capability would in it would take me at the banks were giving out money like crazy i i could have had my own shop five years ago yeah i could have went in there been like hi my name's Brian. I'm on the internet and I fix all the cars. Right. And right. they'd be like, all right, man, here's a million bucks. There you go. Get going. Right. And right. dude, it's, it's not that great. I've seen it firsthand. I am, I am great friends with the guy that owns my shop. Right. Like, yeah. Like we go snowmobiling together. Uh, he has the family out on the boat. We dude, like I'm good friends. With this. Like it ain't, <laughs> I'm telling you. You, people it don't want them problems, man. That's it. It ain't for everybody. Yeah. So one last thing I want to touch on before we go, mm-hmm. and, and I want to give you a, a chance to give a shout out and and uh, do a little bit of self promo here. You've been doing, and and so I have to preface this by saying I am a Scanner Danner Premium member. Oh um, yeah. And we've got a bunch of books here in the shop. You're paying, and- you're paying the money, huh? That's it, man. I'm telling you what, all of like 11 bucks a month, dude. Yeah. Um, you're, I, you're, you know. you're signed up monthly to stare at me. Talk about trucks. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, it's like dude. I got my own little only fans, you know, that's it. Only fan. Only fan. fan. Yeah. Only put fan on there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, tell, tell me a little bit about it. Tell me what it is that you do and tell me about the training that you guys are providing right now. Um, long story short, um, Paul and I met, like I said, a few years ago, camping and stuff like that. And, um, he found out that I do just enough diesel work to be dangerous. Um, we've done some, we don't do any, any, you know, big trucks or anything like that, but you know, some medium duty stuff, you know, uh, you know, F, you know, you know, some smaller internationals or whatever, uh, basically cause there's nobody in the area that's real great with them, you know, other than the dealership. And we're in farm country. A lot of these farms have these medium duty trucks to haul hay around or whatever. Right. Right. Um, So Paul found out about that and he's like, Hey, you know, I'd love if you could film and, you know, edit some videos or whatever, you know, I'd love, you know, I'd love to have you on. I'd love to take that stuff and, you know, 
you know, use it. And uh, I'm like, well, I got it. You know, I said, Paul, I got a wife, kids, a dog. I said, filming is one thing, but editing like that, that ain't going to happen. Like I know, right. I know the amount of time that goes in that. And plus, plus that's a whole skill set that I, I don't put I don't possess that skill set. Well, right. anyways, a few years ago, like a year or two ago, he, he brought his son on board, Caleb, that does a ton of editing for him. Yeah. And, and man, it, it's just been working out great. I just, I get one and um, that's, you know, something out of the ordinary or not even really something out of the ordinary, just more than just a plug unplugged or a blown fuse. And, um, you know, I'll film that and give it to Paul and uh, they just work their magic and take this horrible, shaky footage um, with <laughs> a bunch of incomplete. Cam. What's that? David calls it shaky cam. Yeah. Yeah. They take my shaky cam with my incomplete thoughts and um, they just like kind of string it all together and make it all magical. And it's, it's, it's been real great, man. Um, You know, it's worked out great. Um, There's a ton of Fords in our area, so it's mostly power strokes, Uh, you know, but yeah, it's it's been real great. I've got to share the knowledge I have um, about diesel trucks and um, old and new. And uh, it works out great for him because he's, you know, I, a lot of his content is filled through filmed through his brother's shop, and I don't, I don't know that they do a ton of diesel work there, um, right. and that's kind of not um, really his forte. Although I think um, with conversations that him and I have had, he's he's finding out very quickly, like many people do, that the electricity, Man, it's the same thing, yeah, it's the same the thing. Same way. That's what I told him. I said, 12 volts on that. This solenoid on that car works the same as this solenoid on that truck, yeah. right?" So, and, and obviously, with the modern after treatment systems, um, you know, there's some different stuff we have to deal with that that is a little bit different than the cars. But hey, and and look, when everybody was freaking out about GDI, I'm like, "Hey, y'all, I got this. This is cool. I ain't got no problems with this. I, I know, know right? Works. That's what I told. I go." That's that's so funny. That was some one of my underwhelming training events, right? I went to TST and took a GDI class, and they were talking about something like they had discovered some sort of comet heading for Earth or something. I'm like, like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, <laughs> you've known how to do this for yeah. ten years, man. Yeah. Oh, what a novel idea! You're going to store some energy from the injector firing. Oh, I can't believe it. Tell me more. You know, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. Yeah, Dude, but that's but, hilarious. You know, and uh, you know, and I got I got most of my experience the hard way. Um, you know, I, I didn't really get formally trained by a diesel technician. Um, I did spend a lot of time standing on those old Hunter alignment stands, uh, trying to figure out why the F that 6.0 wouldn't run. So dude, dude, I'm (laughs) telling you, I'm telling you. And like, I I think of all of those, like the, the only ones that ever stumped me and I got really good at them. Like I could fix just about any of them. Me too, man. I could, I could flip the key. And like, not even yep. crank it and have diagnostic direction. Exactly. I already knew. And like, sometimes I just get out of the truck. Ooh, that Fickham's <laughs> dead. Yeah. Um, you Fickham's know. Dead. <laughs> and and like, so there there were only two that I ever remember like really whipping my ass. No, there were three. One one would intermittently rev wide open, and you couldn't do anything about it. And somebody had put an IPR in it, and it was turned down, and the the ground wire had had rubbed into, or the control wire had rubbed into. Oh, it was and it was, it was full field in the baby, huh? Yeah, and so you'd hit a bump and then hit just right, and it's like, oh, yeah, wide open. And then um, let's see, there were a couple others. Um, a, a, a pinhole in a branch tube really kicked my ass one time. Oh yeah, but man! All of them that ever got me, 
I remember one that I couldn't fix. There's only been one 6.0 liter that I specifically remember that it wasn't that the client wouldn't pay. It wasn't anything else. I never could figure it out. And every 400 miles and dead on 400 miles, I drove this truck every bit of 2,500 miles. Mm -hmm. Every 400 miles, it would lose cam crank sync and the truck would stall. And you could sit there 10 minutes and you could start it back. And dude, I, I went through everything. I scoped every single component. I gave up. I changed parts. <laughs> Never could figure it out. And it, to this day, that truck still does that. And really? you 30 minutes and the truck starts back. And he's like, I have no idea. He's like, nobody can fix it. So I'm just going to keep driving it. Right. I had I had one almost get me. Actually, recently, uh, at the end of last year, I, I had one almost get me. And uh <clears throat> My my issue was I I could never get it to do its thing right like it would never right. it would never not start for me and there was never any code set or anything else and he's just explaining when it's happening and stuff like that and I I did it man I I wasn't I wasn't scanner danner I was swapper danner I said you right. know what I go you're getting an ICP and an IPR and I'm going to church on Sunday and everything's going to be all right. Sure enough, it, it fixed it. It fixed it, man. He had it in three or four times. It would never act up. I was, we, uh, we have a snowmobile, you know, we do a lot of snowmobiling up here. We got a big five sled trailer. I shoved six sleds in a five sled trailer and I'm just beating this thing blind, trying to get it hot in January. Right. Right. To, to get it. I'm like, it's got an oil leak somewhere. This is bullshit. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. And I couldn't get it to break. Couldn't get it to break. Couldn't get it to break. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a customer, you know, all, all of our customers are so great. Um, and he understood, you know, he know, he, you know, these people know, you know, when I show them the stuff, they know, all right, we're not dealing with a dummy here. You know, this right, guy's definitely. just doing the best he can. And, uh, finally I said, Milton, um, I said, this is, this is what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to put these two parts in and, uh, you're going to drive it for a week and you're going to let me know if it's fixed. And, uh, you know, that was back in January and sure enough, he came in the following week. He said, Oh, things fine. You know, but yeah, yeah. There's always, there's always the risk of that one that got away. I, I had one oh, a dude. long time ago. It was a, right. it was a Jeep with a bad PCM and right. um, it was an older Jeep. And the mistake, the mistake we made is um, the replacement PCM for that Jeep came from the junkyard. Right. Which, and it had, was it the one with the two screws in the center of the board? Yeah. And, and now that I think about it years later, this was when we first opened, we opened in August of 2010 and I'm, I'm betting this right. vehicle was in there in October of 2010. So right. I was, I was 12 years less experienced and wise than I am now. And we always talk about it. It's, it's one of my boss's buddies and it was kind of like a field car he was fixing up for his kid to drive around. So it wasn't a big deal. And I said, man, I said, I wish, I wish I knew where that Jeep was so I could get another PCM and go whip in that thing. I go, cause I guarantee you, we got a bad PCM, right? You know? But at the time I, I didn't know no better, you know, but yeah, yeah, no, it's been, it's been great with Paul. It's, it's the whole automotive, you know, it's easy to have a bad attitude about the automotive industry, right. but when a guy like me who stumbled into auto repair because he didn't want to deal with regular class in school can right. um have a good career and a good life and yeah we got four four kids a dog and a wife and i'm the only one going to work and we got diesel trucks and fifth wheels and houses and snowmobiles and Amen, uh, like buddy. come on you know like i Amen, get it buddy. i get it it sucks sometimes but dude you can't you can't get that nowhere else that's exactly right and so and hey I, yep go ahead you go and ahead. i th- i think the best part is 
is that although it's not that fun or convenient, you can control that destiny Amen. on your own time. And I don't think you should have to, but yep. you're still capable of doing that. You Amen. Know? You got to make a decision. You yep. have to make a decision. You, you can't, you can't sit back and let fate and luck and life lead you in a direction. If you go look at the post I made just the other day, I was talking about it. You can't let, let it take you in a direction. You have to determine where you're going. And you've got to make a decision. So, uh, Brian, if they want to watch your training, they want to get some of this diesel training you're talking about, where can they do that at? Yep. Uh, right on scannerdanner.com. You can sign up. Uh, premium membership is $11 a month. Which Man, you're if, breaking my bank account, buddy. You're I know. breaking my if, bank account. If you know anything about what training costs, $11 a month is the most smoking deal in the industry. Um, yep. And the best part is, you don't just get to watch me, but you get to actually watch other people that know what they're talking about. So that's kind of cool, right? Some of the best training that I have ever experienced was through Paul and some of the stuff he does. And the most practical, practical and easy to apply training. Amen. Right. Amen. How to, how to fix everything with a test light is on there, right? That's exactly right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax deductible. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy to use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to getshopware.com and see what I mean today. That's getshopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.